can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Well, just when you thought we had gone away, we are back. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside Mile High Magic. Glad to be back with you for another off-season episode of our podcast. Alongside my partner, Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. We have a lot to get to. The Broncos have made some coaching changes. The Hall of Fame selection is coming up on Saturday. Of course, you got some Broncos ties in there. And, of course, then you have the Super Bowl on Sunday. We will get to all of that. But, Nikki, I want to start with uh, the most impactful, if you will, changes uh, that the Broncos have made, or at least the most impactful topic uh, when it comes to the Broncos in the 2020 season. Uh, and that is, as we talked about on the last episode, they have a new offensive coordinator. And then effective this week, they have a new uh, quarterbacks coach and a new outside linebackers coach as well. Yep. They hired Mike Shula pretty much as expected, I think. Um, once it became official that the Giants were going to keep him and just his connection to Shermer. Um yeah, he was kind of always the lead candidate. So he's official. He's in. Um, and then outside linebackers bringing in a Pagano. Um, the youngest, uh, John, whose brother, his brother is Chuck, who interviewed for the head coaching job around this time a year ago. Um, and their father, of course, is Sam. So he's coming back home to Colorado. Um, and, yeah, it's it's – I don't know how I feel about Oh, I do know how I feel about all these changes, and I'm trying to be nice about it. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> don't, No need to be PC. I r- Come on, let it all out. I. It's been two weeks since we I did just, a podcast. The constant change just, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like I, I talked to Cortland Sutton at the Pro Bowl, and he just shook his head and smiled and was like, every year. I mean, it, it's not easy mm-hmm. for the players to – you know, especially young guys who are still kind of getting acclimated to the league to come in, feel like they learned one playbook, one system, learn how they a, a certain coach likes um, them to do certain things, and then the next year you have to change everything. You know, how do you how do you establish any sort of foundation? I mean, the two teams in the Super Bowl right now have had the same play callers for quite a bit of time. You know, it it matters. Um, but here we are yet again, uh, and, you know, Shermer's going to call the plays. Uh, Shula's going to develop the quarterbacks. Um, Pagano's going to deal with the linebackers. And then you also have that front office move with Richard Hotto um, taking over the contracts negotiation and, you know, is their new cap expert. Um, he gets a VP title out of it. Um, and, yeah. Now we await free agency. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, well, maybe maybe not a lot, but I do have certain thoughts. One, I think that the the hiring of Shula is a good hire in the sense that he worked with Shermer, so you know there there's no continuity issue right. there. I think you're exactly right, and I think Cortland Sutton is exactly right on the continuity issue and the challenges that it presents for any football mm-hmm. team, especially a young football team, which the Broncos have. You know, I mean, I talked to to one guy and he was like, it was right after they had fired Rich Scangarello um, and he's a younger guy on the team. And he was like, man, I, I'd love to go on the record with you, but I, I really don't want to. I'm not sure what the team wants me to say. This is really kind of my first experience 
of, of going through this in the NFL. And I was like, okay, I, I respect that. But you think of where these young guys are and they're coming out of college. They're two, three years out of college, maybe even just one year out of college. And then all of a sudden they're like, feel like they get their feet wet, feel like they know what they're doing. And then you go and change everything on them. And so I just, I really, really worry about that. And to me, it feels like this is John Elway's like last play, right? Um, and I mean, how many times have we said that? But but given given what has happened over the last couple of years, okay? So Gary Kubiak, you have the coaching change after he steps down. And obviously, John didn't see that coming until the end of the year. But then you go hire Vic Fangio, or excuse me, Vance Joseph, and that doesn't work out. So you fire him and you get rid of all his staff. You have Vic Fangio come in. Then after a year, you fire Rich Gangarella. You fire T.C. McCartney. And then Vic brings all of his guys in, okay? So now it's kind of like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, there's nobody else to to blame, right? Like, how, you only get so many mm-hmm. coaching hires and fires. You only get so many swings and misses in the draft, and we have documented all of Elway's swings and misses. Now it feels like you've got this young core who you think can be pretty mm-hmm. good. You've assembled this coaching staff who you think can coach them up. Now it's on mm-hmm. you, John, as it, as it has been. This isn't necessarily any different, but it feels like he he's putting the spotlight even more so on himself because of the coaching changes. Because if it doesn't work out, there's nobody else to oh, blame. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't say it's a quarterback's issue. You can't say it's the offense. You've tried every offense by now. Um, yeah, I, I just... I look at a guy like Garrett Bowles where, you know, you could start to see some improvement at the end of year three. I mean, this is not to, you know, say none of this is his fault. Like he, he's, I mean, he has his issues, right? Um, you could argue he doesn't take to coaching all that well, but he seemed to find some improvement under Munchak. You know, he's, he's had seven different starting quarterbacks, I mean, he's – how many offenses has he played in? I, how many scheme changes up front? I mean, you know, this is a guy that you knew needed work coming in. I mean, he led FBS in penalties, right, in his one year at Utah. You knew he needed work. Mm-hmm. How How is he supposed to develop in all this, honestly? I mean, I to me, that's that's what I don't understand behind all this. I mean, yeah, he he's – a lot of this is his own doing, right? A lot of mistakes. Um, but how do you ever hope to build a solid young team, um, lay a foundation, and really build it up? I mean, these guys are just – they're just always spinning in circles. You know what I mean? Well, and look at Drew Locke, right? Like, okay, we felt like Drew Locke took steps to improve – toward the end of the season. And obviously he gets those games, you know, gets those game reps. Seems like he's trending up heading into his first off season. Feel like he's coming back with Rich Gangarello, TC McCartney. Like they did a good job coaching him up and, and helping him adjust to life in the pros. And now all of a sudden he's got to go work with some guys that he's met before and worked with for a little mm-hmm. bit, but that he really doesn't have that much of a connection right. with, you know? So to me, that is, that is Elway basically saying, okay, like if this doesn't work, then, then who do you blame, right? You blame Vic and Elway for letting Rich Gangarello and T.C. McCartney go. If Drew Locke doesn't improve, that's right, on them. Right, To me, all of these moves, um, out, you know, aside from outside linebackers, because that was a result of Staley getting 
promoted, um, and they liked him. I like Staley quite a bit. Um, but the the front office position, I mean, you had Mike Sullivan, a very good cap guy for eight years, very loyal. All of a sudden, you part with him. That's a red flag to me. You completely changed the <laughs> offense after... It was, it was out of the blue, I mean, right? Not I mean, not completely. That- it, you kind of always... It, I think after the Von Miller negotiations, when the, when that leaked, and then Charles Robinson of Yahoo wrote a story. Um, I, I, I think the thinking from inside was that Sullivan was the one who leaked it, and he, I I know where all that came from. It was not Mike Sullivan, um, but my point is, I, I I think obviously, especially as you look at you know past hirings, guys they overlooked in the process, guys they chose not to hire, Um, you know, the setup of how the team is managed, the ownership situation. This team has an issue with power, Um, and it trickles down. Um, You can see it with the coaching staff. They have a lot of kind of alpha coaches on this staff, and it felt like at times they were clashing um, you could see that with Scangarello and and Vic. I don't know if there were other instances. I've always wondered how Munchak and Vic, you know, do they work well together? We don't really know. They seem to do fine. Um, but they're both, I mean, Munchak's kind of an alpha guy. Um, you know, it, it, He's got a gold jacket. He's allowed to be an exactly, alpha guy. Exactly, right? Um, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> but to me, it's a real concern, especially with no leader at the top. Everybody has their own agenda, and it's you know, it starts with Ellis. It starts with Elway, and it it's kind of trickled down to every facet of the organization. And, um, you know, I, I think we continue to see it with their moves. You know, they, they want to clamp down on who talks to media on, you know, Whatever. It's just, it, to me, it's become a real concern. And I think it was always there, but it, but it becomes magnified when you have four failed playoff bids, when you have three consecutive losing seasons, when the franchise suddenly no longer looks like the model of stability it once was under Pat Boland. You got a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, in my opinion, that's at the root of it, is there's constant power struggles, be it, you know, and, and with the coaching staff, front office, whatever, um, it's an issue, you know. And you've got an ownership situation that's set to go to court. It's already you know, in court. In, in September. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Continue on in court and, and set to go to trial in September. Uh, let's let's touch on that, too, a little bit, because Roger Goodell spoke on that. Um, he was asked by Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post uh, about the – basically the edict that Joel has laid down that it was going to be Brittany and nobody else, but it was only going to be Brittany if they could get the other children to agree on that. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody, at least certainly I am of the mindset of, okay, well that's never going to happen. It's not, it's um, not. And you know, and it includes John, this is not a formal vote. You know, this is not required by the league. It's not required by the trust or the will. This is just simply, you know, Either you're all in this together or, you know, you're not going to be able to work together, basically. And they're not. They're not all in it. Not now. Which means they're going to end up selling the team if is what Joel has hinted at if if they if they can't agree Mm -hmm. on that. And then Roger Goodell was asked about that um, this week at the uh, at the Super Bowl. And to me, Nikki, he basically said kind of what he has always said and, and kind of. 
tries to be really PC about it. Mm -hmm. And we want to honor Pat's wishes and um, stated the need for one Mm -hmm. voice. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's kind of what the, the crux of all this is, is that the NFL wants one voice running the team. They want one voice in those ownership meetings. Um, And so I don't know that Roger Goodell said anything that was, groundbreaking i thought um, i thought he what just he, kind of re- i thought what he didn't say was really interesting yes um you know in, in past years at his super bowl address or you know the time he was out at the broncos or any of the other various times he's been asked publicly about the broncos situation he's made a point to always say the trustees are in compliance um you know they're following pat's wishes etc cetera, etc cetera. now this is not to say that the trustees are not in compliance at all i'm not saying that but he is no longer firmly backing the side of the trustees. He's he's not backing any side, and I think that's calculated. I think he's going to get deposed in this case. Discovery started uh, last week, I think. Um, and I think he knows he's going to have some involvement because he worked with Joe Ellis for eight years. He knew Pat mm-hmm. Bolin quite well. Um, and, you know, he's an attorney. He knows how this works. He knows what he can and can't say and, you know, how it could be used against him. So... I thought his comments were very calculated, but I also thought it was interesting that he didn't um, firmly back the trustees. And I don't think he can, not not given the state of the team. You cannot deny that the ownership situation has impacted the on-field product at this point. Yeah. It's one thing when you're coming off a Super Bowl win and maybe one or two years removed from that. Right. But when you have had four years of no playoffs, three years of losing seasons, mm-hmm. it's hard to say, oh, no, everything's great in Denver. Right. right. You, you can't say, you know, it's hard to replace a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're, yeah. All right. Maybe for yeah. year one or two, not by year five, you know. You're, shat- you're shattering all the records yeah. that Pat Boland set. Right? You know, right. All of those things that are in the media guide about how the Broncos have never had back-to-back losing seasons, they're all gone. They're all washed away now. I know. Um, so it's hard to put a pretty face on, on that. What's sad is that you know, he had lived through this season. What, the greatest record in my mind was the fact that they, for the longest time, they had more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons. When he died, they had as many. Had he lived through 2020, his record would have been gone. That's very sad to me. Um, one guy that you mentioned that we haven't touched on was the switch from Mike Sullivan to, to Richard mm-hmm. Tato. And I think a lot of fans just kind of gloss over that, right? Like it's probably not anybody that you will hear a lot of unless you're really in the weeds and, and looking at the contract negotiations. But I think... There's a very interesting dynamic at play here, mm-hmm. um, and I've heard you talk about this, and I've, I've seen you write about it, I think, too, the Justin Simmons negotiations. Mm-hmm. And Richard Tato worked with uh, CAA mm-hmm. um, and, and Todd France, and now he's on the other side. And, oh, by the way, Todd France represents Justin Simmons, and they've got a big contract negotiation And coming. Richard Tato and Todd France together repped Ron Leary, and he's got a team option. Yeah, that could be awkward. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like. Hey, Ron, I know, Ron, I know, yeah, I got you this deal, yeah, but now I'm gonna yeah, have to let you go, sorry. bro. I'm sorry. It, it really wasn't that good of a deal. I didn't want to tell you that. Um, that could be fun. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think it's the type of thing that will have significant impact on the Justin Simmons negotiations. If we're thinking from the fact that, oh well, he knows Todd France. Todd France is gonna give the Broncos a discount. It don't work like that. I mean. No. It just doesn't work like that. However, you know, it could mean the negotiations are amicable um, and that, you know, it, the process moves along quickly. 
um, it, it could mean that, you know, Justin Simmons is more inclined to stay here. He said he wants to stay here. Um, but beyond that, we'll see. Justin Simmons is going to get paid either way, be it a, a tag, be it by the Broncos, be it by another team. Mm-hmm. And I don't, the Broncos do not have the luxury of Peyton Manning and a league leading defense to get hometown discounts or anything of the sort. The thing is, I don't, I don't know that there's a negative, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that, that those two guys having history, um, knowing each other as well as they do, having worked with each other as much as they do. I don't see how that could be a negative for Justin Simmons and the Broncos in terms of, of the negotiating process. And so I think that could, could be a good thing um, for them. And, and you're right. I think it will be maybe more amicable. I don't think you'll see maybe as many leaks, um, you know, if things do go South and, and, you know, you start to think back to the Von Miller contract after the Super mm-hmm. Bowl 50 year and all that, that went into that. So, well, I will, I, I would say, uh, I, you know, I don't think people should assume it was Mike Sullivan who leaked it. Um, I agree. No, I, and I agree. And that was, that was not my implication. Yeah. There. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I do, I do think that, that it could be a good thing because mm-hmm. they've worked together. Sure. And if Justin really wants to stay in Denver, he's going to be like, Hey, look, let's get mm-hmm. the deal done. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and those two guys can get it done yeah. maybe a lot easier than, than a, a different. Pick. And Hurtado, I, I think a lot of what brought him to Denver or what, you know, uh, appealed to the Broncos is he had been with the team before he was in Philly for the start of his, you know, pro career in the front office, um, working in football administration and, you know, for his three Three years there overlapped with Matt Russell's time as a scout for the Eagles. So um, they have a connection. Um, the team has said, you know, Matt Russell is really the one to credit for bringing him over. Um, you know, I, I think there's kind of two sides to this story and the fact that, you know, their reasoning for parting with Mike Sullivan and then also why they decided to hire Hurtado, who I, I think is a very fine hire. Um, you know, I'm no expert on that side of things um but his track record alone is pretty impressive um but i i do think the fact that they decided to move on from mike sullivan is who, who is well respected he's a tough negotiator but he's well respected in the league so and then of course free agency starts uh, in the middle of march and so we'll have that uh, have to look fun rich to. you got your work cut yeah, out for right. you welcome welcome to the <laughs> yeah, job <right>. buddy <laughs> i mean you think about what he has to do. I mean, it's not just, you know, negotiate the contracts. It's put the salary cap puzzle together. And, you know, mm-hmm. there are more twists this year, especially being the last year of the CBA. Um, they have a ton of money to work with. They have And a ton a of draft picks. A ton of draft have picks. To too. Um, and a ton of holes to fill. Um, a lot of tough decisions on veterans. I mean, you know, this is... This is a team with a lot of potential right now in my mind, but not much else. You know, you might have found your quarterback, but you might have also lost your entire secondary. So, you know, I'm a Debbie Downer. Which would you which would you rather have? Would you you rather have found your quarterback or have lost your entire secondary? A quarterback. You can't go anywhere without a quarterback. Sorry, Chris. Um, No, I'm with you. 
Sorry. <laughs> I swear I'm not this depressing normally. I'm actually a nice person most of the time. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously we've got the Super Bowl this week, right? And uh, lots of Broncos ties, a ton of Broncos connections. Um, some of the most obvious being Emmanuel Sanders, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, um, and so, Bobby Turner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I thought it was interesting, and we can get into the game here uh, in a little bit and just kind of give our brief thoughts on that. I saw something from uh, Fantasy Pros, and it was a, a map of the United States, and it had all the 50 states and who they were rooting for. And I think a lot of people were surprised that Colorado was in the Chiefs category. As, as in more fans in Colorado are rooting for the Chiefs than they are in the 49ers. Now, this is not a scientific poll. Um, I was going to ask, how do they do this? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, for all I know, they use the Electoral College. But I, I do not know how they compose it. But I, I think it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know a single Broncos fan who is rooting for the Chiefs. Um, and, and certainly Colorado is like the heart of Broncos country, right? Uh, but I don't, I don't know that I would mind if Broncos fans did root for the Chiefs or, or yeah. one of the Chiefs to win. I could see yeah. the argument there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm completely impartial. I mean, I, I don't care who wins. Um, I, I can't wait to see both teams play because I love the 49ers defense and I love the Chiefs offense. I would like to see Andy Reid get one though. Um, that's kind of my only, you know, rooting interests, but I totally respect Kyle Shanahan and I, I know he's going to eventually win one. Um, so yeah, it, it's an interesting argument. I don't know if there's like, do you root? Um, like if you're a Bronco fan, do you root for the AFC West because they're in the division? I mean, they're, they aren't the Raiders, right? Like I think, no, I mean, fans- I like, again, you go back to the UNC Duke analogy. I don't root for Duke because they're, they're in the ACC. I don't root for NC state because they're in the ACC. Okay, now, um, but let me ask you this. Do you take pride when Duke wins the national title? Do you take pride the following year in beating the defending champs? Yes, but the Broncos are not going to do that. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's, <laughs> I mean, like. The argument. <laughs> I mean. They got two um, chances to beat them. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's. It, you know, anything can happen. I mean, the 49ers were at the bottom of the league last year, so anything can happen. Um,. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess there is that, you know, it, the the competition is, it's better, you know, it, it'd be more fun to, you know, beat that to team. Beat I could see yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, I hey, you got the title angle, last year, sure. but we beat you once or maybe even twice this year. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would uh, think, on the, I would think from a player's perspective, right? Like, like what would Peyton Manning yeah. want? The W. Oh yeah, you want to play the best, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. You want to beat the champs right. twice every year, or at least have yeah. that opportunity. On the flip side, you're playing the champs twice every year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, I mean, um, what do they have, like a nine-game winning streak against the Broncos yeah. right now? Is it yeah. nine? And even so. if they lose the Super Bowl, they're still going to be really good. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so. and they're probably going to be, be even hungrier to win one, I would imagine. But I, I, the fact of the matter is, like, I think it's easier for me because I'm not fully invested as, you know, a, a 
fan would, and I totally respect the people that really do get invested and are loyal to one team. Um, I'm only like that with the Yankees and occasionally the Tar Heels um, when they don't annoy me with all their losing. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of Chapel impartial, Hill. so it's – oh, my God, it's terrible. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but I just – this sounds ridiculous, I guess, to Broncos fans. I really enjoy just watching Patrick Mahomes play. I do. I, I think he's fantastic. I think the weapons he has, um, you know, between Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, I, it's, they're fun to watch. I enjoy watching the 49ers, too. I think Shanahan's a brilliant play caller. I love seeing what he comes up with. Um, so for me, this is more enjoyment than, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be, you know, happy or bummed out at the end of Sunday, you know? I said this the other day on CBS4. If you're a Bronco fan, and I get it, you see the world through orange and blue colored glasses, you got to try and at least take the glasses off when you watch Patrick Mahomes because you are are depriving yourself of the opportunity to watch and enjoy greatness if you can't appreciate what he brings to the football field every single week. It is unlike anything Mm -hmm. we have seen before. It may be unlike anything we see again. I mean, he is Mm -hmm. so talented and so dynamic that if you can't Mm -hmm. appreciate that, even as a diehard Bronco fan, if you can't appreciate that, then you're just doing yourself an injustice. And and you owe it to yourself to at least try and and watch and appreciate what he is doing because I'm with you. He is a fantastic, fantastic player to watch. Um, And it's not just sheer athleticism either. The kid is smart. He just understands the game. And it's the full package there. He can do things physically that nobody else can. But he's also incredibly smart, and this is just – he's a young guy. I mean, him and Lamar Jackson are the future. I mean, they're the present and the future in my mind. But, you know, I've I've felt the same way about Tom Brady. I know everybody hates him. I I get it totally. Um, But, you know, when he storms back to beat Atlanta in the Super Bowl, it's hard not to appreciate what you're watching. I mean, he's the greatest of all time. Yes, yes, absolutely. Speaking of uh, Super Bowl – it all comes down to this. Super Bowl 54. Um, who's going to be hoisting the trophy and spraying champagne when it's all said and done? I personally think it's going to be the 49ers. Um, I think their defense is – they got it together. Um, their season will end on a winning note. Yours can too. This is your last chance to play fantasy football till next season with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Um, draft your single game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. All you have to do is just draft six players from Super Bowl 54, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code RUN, R-U-N, will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million payday. So get in on the Super Bowl 54 action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter code RUN, that's R-U-N, during sign-up. For a limited time, all new users will get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code RUN and get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit is required and eligibility restrictions apply. So see DraftKings.com for details. 
I'm with you. I think the 49ers win on Sunday. I, and yeah. I think it's because of their defense and because of their run game. And I think that Kyle Shanahan kind of alluded to it earlier this week. Uh, you know, of course, he was the offensive coordinator in that 28-3 to debacle for mm-hmm. the Falcons. He is going to run, 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 mm-hmm. run, 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 run. I, I get the feeling that it's going to be similar to the NFC Championship game where Jimmy Garoppolo threw, what, uh-huh. eight times? Um, I, I could see them running the football and having a lot of success running the football and I think that's why I like the I like the 49ers a lot it's gonna be uh, Bobby Turner's big game Bobby Turner I like he doesn't get enough attention can we talk about Bobby for a minute go ahead give it to me I love Bobby Bobby has been (laughs) with the Shanahan's since he joined the pro ranks in coaching um started with Mike he's he's the genius behind Terrell Davis. I can't really say that. Terrell Davis is exceptional. But he was Terrell Davis's running backs coach here in Denver. Um, then what? he went to Washington with Mike. Then mm-hmm. Kyle took him to Atlanta. Then Kyle took him to San Francisco. I think Kyle, during um, Super Bowl media night, was saying he's now my guy, not my father's guy anymore, jokingly. <laughs> um, but clearly that family loves Bobby Turner, as they should. He's one of the most well-respected running backs coaches in the league and this could be you know another huge game for him and 70 years old yeah you know i mean like you think about guys like that's that's like wade phillips status right there right i mean that's that's really really impressive and a guy who you know has worked his way up through the ranks no doubt about Mm -hmm. it went to college at indiana state and um i mean props to him for catching on with Mm -hmm. the shanahan's that's a good family to to catch on with but he's certainly done his part there too yeah so um, Interesting that thing, he's always stayed a positional coach. Sorry, yeah, he like he's always he's always been running backs coach. He just loves it, I guess. But yeah, and yeah, Eric Bieniemy is the one that's you know on the other side, the local ties, yeah. um, all time rusher out of CU, should be a head coach in my opinion, just with what he's done um, with the Chiefs offense. I mean, he's doesn't get enough credit in my mind. Over I there. thought it was interesting what he said this week that he wasn't necessarily disappointed that he didn't get some offers. I don't know if he's trying to just, you know, be PC. Means I don't want to work. Dis- maybe not distract or, or what means I, I don't want to work for the Browns. Yeah. Right. I mean, who can blame him? Yeah. You know, I don't blame him. Let's be honest. Um, the other big thing happening this week will be Saturday night when we find out uh, the latest class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, last year, a big year for the Broncos with Pat Bowen and Champ Bailey both going in. Steve Atwater and John Lynch up for it this year as they have been for for several years now. Nikki, to me, given the way this all kind of shakes out and i think that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of politics involved in in this Mm -hmm. and especially when it comes to the broncos um given the fact that they're kind of out here in the mountain time zone and and people tend to forget about them a lot the fact that they got two in last year i think almost hurts them heading into this year Mm -hmm. um and i also think that looking at the the finalists if i had to pick one not necessarily who deserves it more but I think that John Lynch has a better chance of getting in mm-hmm. than Steve Atwater does. If, for no other reason, than he's in the public eye more than Steve Atwater is, certainly mm-hmm. at the national level. Mm-hmm. And he's been a seven-time finalist. This is Steve Atwater's third time as a finalist. Which interest, It's interesting because last year, Steve was the one who made it down to the final ten. Um and John did not. And then in 2016, when they were also both up, 
this was ahead of Super Bowl 50. It was John who made the final 10 and Steve, um, Steve did not. So, but it's, you know, it's, it's this year with the Centennial Slate, they, they already announced the 15 coaches, seniors, contributors who will go in and they have these 15 modern era finalists, but only five slots will go to these guys. Only five will get in and there's four safeties among them. Troy mm-hmm. Palomalo, you know, is, is going in. Um, and then it's, uh, who are the others? Uh, you got Lynch Troy, the- Steve, mm-hmm. and John as, as mm-hmm. three of the safeties. Um, and then I'm looking at the list here. Uh, Leroy Butler, um, mm-hmm. Isaac Bruce, if we just kind of run down the list. Tory mm-hmm. Holt, uh, Steve Hutchinson, Edrian James, San Mills, uh, Alan Franceca, Palomalu we mentioned, uh, Richard mm-hmm. Seymour, Zach Thomas, Reggie Wayne, and Bryant Young. So mm-hmm. – you you look at that and, and you got to factor in a couple things, okay? You got to factor in teams and positions, and mm-hmm. and those come into play here because they're not going to load this class down with safeties. Mm-hmm. No, I, I yeah, and safeties generally just don't. It, they're just never really picked that often. And last year they had five defensive backs that were up. John and Steve were among them. John and Steve were the only two that were not elected. Mm-hmm. Which you know it's got to be painful for them, but that means they they in, they inducted three DBs last year, um, so I think you know a being a Bronco, b being a safety. Um, John is more Bucks Broncos, I get it, but you know it's 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 tough. I mean, the the thing is, and everybody likes to argue this is how can he not be in the Hall of Fame already? Well, you could say that about pretty much anybody who's made it to the top fifteen. You know, exactly. You look at the spots. modern era finalists, and let's be mm-hmm. real, they're all good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's only so many spots. Um, I think they have what twenty? Is it? Is it twenty years? It's twenty years of eligibility for a modern era. I believe that's right. Yes. So Steve has and Steve's four in year sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Four more um, years to get in. Um, John has 12 more years. So, and then you become a senior and then mm-hmm. your odds are even longer because there's a log jam and they don't induct that many. So. And, and I mean, look at like, I know they like to say it's not political. I know they like to say that it's not a popularity contest. Look at Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher, right? Not that either mm-hmm. one of those doesn't, doesn't deserve to be in the hall of fame, but you can't tell me that they didn't want to put those guys in given their status on television these days. And, oh sure. and so when I look at John Lynch, he is more visible to a national audience than Steve Atwater is. Now, if it were just Broncos fans, I would say Steve Atwater gets the nod. No mm-hmm. doubt about right. it. But when you look at from a national perspective, I think he is more likely to get the nod than than Steve is. And and this was one of the things that you know many people think hurt Pat Bowen is he was um, he didn't he wasn't in the spotlight. He purposely did not want to be in the spotlight. Jerry Jones was yes. the one who loved the spotlight, and you know Jerry gets in. Jerry's I think incredibly deserving of a Hall of Fame. Um, election because of everything he's done for the league, but they're two very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it's, I, I would, argue and that factored in. I think that's why game. Jerry yeah. got in before oh, Pat. Absolutely. 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 Um, but you, you hope both get their due. Certainly. I mean, both are great guys. You never hear anything bad about John Lynch and Steve is Steve just, Atwater one of all time. Is, Oh my gosh. Great. I mean, human. Unbelievable I mean like great human. 
such a nice guy. I have trouble, you know, whenever I'm talking to him, I'm like, how did you just like destroy people on a daily basis? You're just so nice. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but hopefully, you know, he gets that knock this year. I heard Ed McCaffrey tell a great story um, today. And he was talking about how when he was playing against Steve and mm-hmm. he was like, no, that guy's a linebacker. He was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to go black. He's a linebacker. And they were like, no, he's the safety. And Ed like mm-hmm. didn't believe it. Right. He's like, that's not the same guy I'm watching on tape. No, that's, I got to go block him. And he, he said he was like the one player that physically intimidated him. Um, and that, that tells you so much about Steve and what he did. And now, now you see him and you're like, wait a minute, this dude, like he is such a great guy and, and so gregarious yeah. and so generous with his time. And, um, but he was, he was a beast. There was no doubt about yeah. it. And so I think that he is, he is deserving. There is no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just a matter of, of yeah. will he get in? Yeah. I'm always like you look back, you don't see safety tandems like Steve Atwater and Dennis Smith, two guys who stood six three, um, at least two hundred pounds apiece. I mean, Steve was a bit bigger, and two of the most feared hitters in the game. I mean, like how could you not be intimidated if you're not on the other side of the field? I've always, I've always been surprised a little bit that Dennis Dennis Smith doesn't get um, more Hall of Fame attention um, than he does. I mean, he's just he doesn't get that much. I mean. Certainly, Gratishar, Mecklenburg, um, they all, oh my God, they, Gratishar got screwed. Yes. Um, they deserve it too, but, you know, Dennis Smith, I, I feel like he gets overlooked quite a bit. He was a hell of a safety. Really good safety. There's a lot of Broncos and he, he, would agree with you. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was a big part of Steve Atwater's career, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to this week. Uh, Hall of Fame uh, announcement going to come on Saturday when David Baker makes the rounds and slams on the door and gets everybody all excited. Yeah. And then uh, obviously Sunday you got the got the Super Bowl. And um, Justin Simmons is out there. He's up for the National Walter Payton right. Man of the Year Award. And Von Miller is out there. He is DJing at Bootsy on the Water tonight with what's Post the, Malone. What's the DJ name? DJ Von Don the Sauce. <laughs> Von, wait, wait. Is it? I got to find it. I don't know. It's super long. I was surprised it didn't include chickens in it. Um, I think it's DJ Von the Don the Sauce, Von something like that. Don, I don't know. It's like, the sauce. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. I feel like it's there's fun. an athletic article coming about how Von oh. calculated his name. There's. I've been wanting to do a story. Nobody take my story. I'm writing this. Um, on Vaughn becoming a DJ. That's like his new side yes. gig now. Yes. Chicken farming. Because, you know, DJing, chicken farmers often turn into DJs. <laughs> while, while advocating for a glaucoma medicine. <laughs> oh, and Von handing out eyeglasses changed. to kids in need. I yeah. mean, he is, he is as eclectic as they come from a human being Wait, standpoint. I, I got it so wrong. Oh, my God. I get it. DJ Sauce Von the Don, a.k.a. Von Miller. Come on, Nikki. How can you mess that Gosh. up? Gosh. I mean, that's a sweet kid. I mean, you're you're <laughs> per- performing, in air quotes, with Post Malone, and it's hosted by Kevin Hart. Shouldn't it be Von Miller, a.k.a. Von the Don, DJ Sauce, whatever no. it is? 
you will refer to him as Mr. Von the Don from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sauce. I think I will, actually. I'm going to add that. Mr. Von or Mr. Sauce. Mr. Von the Don. Yes. Von, what do you prefer? Sauce? Von the Don? Just let me know. You know what we need to do a story on, too, is what his teammates think of that name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who's going to say anything bad about Vaughn, though? The origin, the oral history of yes. DJ Sauce Vaughn the Don. Oh, it's happening. That will be an epic. Can't yeah, right after I get through ownership. All right, Nikki's going to go work on ownership and Vaughn the Don Sauce stories, and uh, we're going to log off here on Mile High Magic. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll, of course, continue to be back with you um, throughout the offseason as we get you set for uh, the upcoming free agency and then the draft coming up. Uh, in April as well. So that's going to do it for us. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to rate us. You can find us on Twitter at MichaelCBS4 at Nikki Javala. Always love connecting with you guys and always appreciate you logging on to Mile High Magic.